This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone, to the today's episode. And uh, we have a great guest today. Uh, we have uh, Professor Aina Shalabayev, and uh, we are going to be talking about an exciting topic. So we are talking about social identities and stereotypes. So just to introduce our guest for today. So she holds a doctoral degree in sports sciences from Joseph Faria University at Grenoble. And after that, she has held a Marie Curie postdoctoral grant and she worked at the University of California at Santa Barbara. And currently she is working as a professor at the University Grenoble Alp in France. Ladies and gentlemen, so please let's welcome our guest, Professor Aina Shalabai. Hello. Hello, Nora. Uh, thanks for uh, having me today. Yeah, wonderful to have you today. So um, as just uh, getting started with, with today's topic, can you tell us a little bit about your academic career and how your research interests have evolved over the years? Uh, yes, yeah, sure. So um, I um, I did my studies in uh, Grenoble, uh, in, uh, which is in, in the Alps in, uh, in France. Uh, I did my studies in sports sciences and uh, in uh, psychology, um, and uh, I'd say that at that at that time I uh, I really enjoyed social psychology classes because um, it is a scientific approach that tries to link different levels of analysis, um, the social en- environment at the macroscopic level and um, psychological uh, and behavioral constructs at the microscopic level so um, I found this approach quite um, interesting to understand how the how the society in which we live um, may be incorporated into our bodies it's um, it's a question that uh, fascinates me because um, what is going on in our body is something which is extremely intimate and driven by physiological processes at a very microscopic level um, but at the same time, our body is um, influenced by the society in which, uh, in which we live. Um, if I give an example, um, uh, research in social psychology suggests that uh, negative effects of obesity on health could be explained um, not only by biological processes, but also by um, weight stigma, um, because being the target of stigma is something stressful and um, stress responses may be detrimental to, to health. So, yeah, this example um, nicely illustrates um, the idea that the construct of social identity may be interesting to link the macro and the micro levels um, because it, it reflects um, the part of ourselves that um, we share with others, um, what we call uh, in social psychology uh, social categories. Um, and I'd say that we are all members of um, several social categories. So if I if I take myself as an example, um, I am a woman. I am a middle-aged adult. I am French, and 
all these categories are associated with beliefs that are shared in the society, uh, what we call stereotypes. For example, being a woman is associated with uh, practicing sports that um, emphasize grace or aesthetics. Um, and how social stereotypes affect uh, individual behaviors is a question that has interest me a lot um, because it suggests that um, our decisions are not only driven by our personal motivations, but also by factors that are uh, beyond one's grasp. Um, and uh, so this interest um, has led me to do a PhD on the role of social stereotypes in the motor domain with uh, Philippe Sarrazin in Grenoble, mm -hmm. who is a, a specialist of motivation uh, for physical activity. So we, we tried to, um, to articulate uh, theories of motivation with, uh, with theories of stereotypes. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then I did a postdoc on uh, how social stereotypes affect um, physiological stress responses with uh, Brenda Major at the University of California at Santa Barbara, who is a specialist of uh, stigma processes. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I said that these two outcomes, physiological processes and motor, um, performance are, um, outcomes that are often considered as, um, something very, uh, natural. And, um, yeah, it is for me at least, uh, fascinating to see how uh, sensitive they may be to, to the social context. Mm hmm mm. So actually, even things that we think are very natural also have this cultural and, and social component in them. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think that research on um, stereotype threat um, nicely illustrates uh, this idea because uh, mm -hmm. this um, literature shows that uh, merely changing the, the instructions uh, you provide before uh, performing a task may be sufficient to affect performance. Um, mm -hmm. So, for example, we, we observed that um, just telling female soccer players that um, dribbling task they were about to perform was a diagnostic of physical or soccer abilities, uh, which are stereotyped as um, strongly masculine in France. Um, mm -hmm. It was sufficient to, to decrease their performance compared to the control conditions. And um, this, um, this suggests that societal elements can uh, enter even into a very controlled and uh, decontextualized uh, laboratory experiments. Mm -hmm. So can you just tell us a bit more about what is, what is a stereotype as a concept and why do we stereotype people? Yeah, um, the stereotype in, uh, in social um, psychology um, it's a, it's a cognitive component of uh, intergroup attitudes. So a stereotype is a belief um, and a belief about the characteristics of a group of persons. And these beliefs may be negative, but they also may, may be positive or neutral. For example, if I say that um, uh, people in, fin in Finland are uh, tall, um, this is a stereotype. And mm -hmm. uh, this is something uh, quite quite neutral. It's uh, not neither positive nor negative. So stereotypes are not uh, 
only uh, are always negative. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, in the literature, in social, so, social psychology, it is differentiated from uh, prejudice, for example, uh, which is uh, mm-hmm. the affective component of uh, intergroup attitudes and which reflects the fact of disliking a, a social group. So it is uh, something more, more, uh, more negative. Mm-hmm. And it is also distinct from uh, discrimination which is a um, behavioral component of um, intergroup attitudes uh, and which reflects uh, the fact of behaving negatively toward a person just only based on her, his membership to a, to a social uh, category. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we start talking about physical activity, that's one field where there are several different stereotypes going on. So... In your work, you, for example, looked at sex, age, and weight. Uh, can you tell a little bit more about these three categories? Yeah. Um, so in uh, in the social psychology of physical activity, and, and more particularly particularly in the health uh, domain, uh, these are the, the three categories uh, that are uh, usually uh, studied in research. So uh, sex, uh, age, and um, and weight. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, there are um, the, the content of these stereotypes are, for example, that uh, uh, females uh, lack uh, physical abilities. Uh, uh, there is the idea that older adults are uh, fragile, uh, or that um, overweight people are unfit uh, or uh, too lazy to 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 stick to a physical activity program. Um, other stereotypes include um, uh, um, chronic disease patients are too fatigued to be physically active. So, mm-hmm. yeah, these are examples of uh, stereotypes in the um, physical activity domain. And um, one thing that is um, interesting is that um, when when we when we talk about these stereotypes, so when I say these stereotypes, uh, one may think that uh, okay, but these stereotypes uh, sound um, sound true in some way, um, and yeah, stereotypes may have a, a kernel of truth sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many studies that show that. Um, uh, females uh, perform lower than males on uh, tasks that require strength uh, or speed. Um, yeah. But uh, one thing that uh, people tend to forget is that there is a, an important variability around around uh, each group average. So um, it means that if a stereotype may be true at a group level, uh, it is not always the case at the individual level, and it is uh, uh, completely possible that uh, a woman perform better than a man, or that uh, an older adult perform better than a, a, a young adult. Mm-hmm. So um, the problem is that at the at the individual level, um, these stereotypes may lead to their uh, behavioral conformation. Through, through different uh, psychological processes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why even if a stereotype may be true in some way, um, it is true only at the group level. And that's why uh, it is a problem right. 
when we adopt mm -hmm. uh, an individual uh, approach. Right. So on the individual level, we see that there is a lot of variety in what the examples that you gave in terms of a woman can outperform one woman can outperform a man in in some sports task. But if you take a big group level, then we know that in in certain physiological aspects, men tend to in a group level outperform the women. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, so we we mentioned sex, but so let's let's talk a little bit about sex and gender. So we have gender as a more cultural element. So let's just first get the concepts. So can you um, talk about the difference between these? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question and and difficult question to answer because there are different uh, approaches. Uh, mm -hmm. But if I try to, yeah, to to uh, to give a simple definition, I would say that uh, sex uh, refers to uh, biological differences between men and women, while gender mm -hmm. uh, reflects more the um, um, yeah the differences between women and men, but at the at the level of the society, so uh, what the society expects from women, what the society expects from uh, from men, and in this case, we mm -hmm. talk more about um, gender uh, or uh, gender identity. So, gender identity um, mm -hmm. refers to uh, whether um, I have, a, for example, a masculine identity. So, in this case, I, I will adopt. Uh, characteristics that are typically um, masculine in my society and if mm -hmm. I um, adopt a feminine identity it means that I uh, adopt uh, the characteristics that are typically feminine in the society um, where, uh, where I live. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah I think there is some discussion that surely it's been going on for longer but kind of that in our Western societies, also these ideas about what is masculine and what is feminine has probably become broader or kind of that we can have different different femininities, so different ways of being a woman. And now some of the ideals are for, for young women to actually be quite sporty and quite fit. So do you think this kind of complicates the picture a little bit? Yeah, there are... Um Society is uh, is changing. Uh, mm -hmm. There are evolutions in the, um, in how we define uh, masculinity and femininity and the stereotypes that are associated. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that one problem with uh, stereotypes is that they um, act, they operate uh, not only at an explicit level. Uh, mm -hmm. So we are conscious about the stereotypes or the um, gender roles uh, of our society, um, mm. but stereotypes also operate at a very uh, implicit uh, level and may mm -hmm. affect um, people's perceptions and behaviors um, very automatically uh, and uh, sometimes in, a, in an unconscious manner. So even if mm -hmm. a person uh, does not endorse stereotypes in an explicit way, uh, even if a person is not uh, racist or, or sexist in an explicit way, um, mm -hmm. it is possible that uh, at an implicit level, 
um, uh, person uh, show uh, yeah gender biases or race based uh, biases. So it's um, it's uh, yeah I don't know if it's a problem, but it it uh, it prevents from uh, from uh, from uh, uh, an evolution uh, which could be more uh, rapid. Mm-hmm. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian. Fibian is an accurate sitting and physical activity tracking device and analysis platform. It is a great tool for projects that aim for behavior change in sedentary behavior and incidental physical activity. Fibian provides easy to understand PDF and web browser reports for participants. Other features include comparisons to recommendations, linking results to health risks, achievement cards, and interactive goal-setting tool. In addition, Fibian provides an API that allows for easy integration to other systems and applications. Learn more about Fibian at fibian.com research. Fibian. From researchers to researchers. So if we think of young girls today who are growing up in, in, in societies where women are more actively participating in sport, like your mother could be playing ice hockey now in Nordic countries where you have winter and ice and snow. Do you think these women, when they grow up, they will have different ideas about what is a sport for a woman and what, will, what is a sport for a man? Yeah, it is, um, it is possible. Uh, because um, role modeling is a is a very important um, uh, process in uh, in, uh, in stereotypes. So if mm-hmm. you if you have uh, role models, uh, typically role models uh, who are um, of the same uh, sex as you, um, and if uh, these uh, role models um, do activities uh, such as ice, ice hockey as a uh, as you illustrate, um, then yeah, it is possible that uh, it can help to, to change um, stereotypes and uh, and gender roles, and that mm-hmm. uh, these young girls can uh, uh, identify more uh, with role models and uh, and therefore think that uh, okay, if this role model uh, does uh, ice hockey, um, then it is a sport that I can do. Uh, it is not mm-hmm. a sport uh, that is. Um, more appropriate for uh, for uh, for boys and uh, yeah yeah it, it I think it's uh, an important uh, process of uh, of change of stereotypes mm-hmm. like for example in France um, another example uh, same example is uh, with uh, soccer so soccer is a is an activity that is uh, considered as uh, strongly uh, masculine. Mm-hmm. Historically, and uh, since uh, the past uh, five or ten years, approximately, um, the French uh, team, uh, uh, soccer team, uh, feminine, um, has started to have uh, good um, uh, good results at the international mm-hmm. level. Uh, so there was a, a media exposure that uh, increased, and uh, so so now. Uh, there are more and more people who um, who, who see uh, matches uh, on TV or go, uh, uh, go go to matches. There was a World Cup in France last year, uh, 
and mm-hmm. uh, it is uh, associated with uh, an increase in uh, soccer participation in uh, in younger girls. And I think that mm-hmm. yeah, it's because they 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 think that it's a it's a sport they can do because they have uh, um, role models and they can identify with uh, the the French soccer team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about what we can try to do to change the harmful effects of stereotypes, we already identify the role models is one exactly one thing that we can mm-hmm. we can seek to promote. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if we talk about age a little bit, um, you've you've written about that and and you mentioned that there are these negative stereotypes about age, but not completely. So we also have positive stereotypes about age. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the the picture with regard to um, stereotypes uh, about age uh, is uh, mixed. They are both there are both uh, stereotypes that are uh, negative. So I gave the example, but uh, the idea that older adults are uh, fragile, um, sick, uh, dependent. Um, but there are also positive stereotypes. Uh, for example, uh, older adults uh, have uh, more experience. Um, they are uh, wiser um, than uh, than younger adults. Uh, but at the general level, uh, the, um, there are more. It seems, uh, according to research, that there are more negative stereotypes than, uh, than positive ones. So the general picture is uh, more negative than positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but would we still say that, especially in the Western countries, because if you think about Asian cultures or or more towards the East, I think there are also more kind of positive stereotypes about age and wisdom and, and life perspective yeah yeah it is possible and um, there was a it, it uh, makes me think about a, a study uh, led by um, uh, Becca Levy um, which analyzed uh, the evolution of uh, aging stereotypes uh, across uh, two centuries I think mm-hmm. and uh, the study showed uh, based on uh, archives and uh, Yes, the study showed that uh, stereotypes were uh, positive uh, during the 19th century and then became uh-huh. uh, negative uh, during the uh, 20th uh, century. So yeah, it really depends on, um, on the culture in which you, you live, uh, on the time period, on the, on the country. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, one potential explanation that was uh, proposed in the... In this um, study, was uh, related to um, um, a stronger medicali- medicalization of um, mm-hmm. uh, older adults uh, nowadays, uh, because they live longer than before. Uh, but they also have uh, so they also have um, uh, more chronic diseases, and they uh, mm-hmm. yeah they, they need uh, medical uh, prescriptions. Um, more than maybe uh, before, and uh, this could explain why uh, stereotypes became um, more uh, more negative. And mm-hmm. Another explanation uh, is related to um, to the fact that there are more older adults now uh, than uh, than before. Uh, so uh, yeah, in a, in a few years uh, in France, uh, there will be thirty uh, percent of people 
will be age uh, 60 years uh, old and, uh, and over. So, yeah, this mm-hmm. could explain also why uh, stereotypes are more negative because there is uh, this idea that uh, uh, all these older adults uh, uh, will be likely to, um, to, uh, to take uh, all the resources. Um, so, yeah, th- this could explain why uh, stereotypes are more negative. More negative now. And do you think that when we think of physical activity, maybe the growth of sports sciences as well has contributed to the negative stereotypes because we are measuring a lot what happens in, in the human body when we move and, and kind of focusing on those physiological markers and, and everything else that seems to be pointing towards that decline. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting idea. It, it indicates that uh, maybe the, um, uh, the sport sciences or uh, yeah, physical activity sciences um, emphasize the, the natural uh, differences between um, younger adults and uh, older ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so this um, yeah, emphasizes uh, the the part of truth that uh, there are maybe in these uh, stereotypes, as uh, as I said um, earlier, and uh, yeah, so so it is uh, it is true. At least we we observed uh, very consistently uh, age differences uh, in uh, different uh, physiological and uh, physical um, outcomes. But again, um, these differences um, occur at uh, at a group level uh, and not at the individual mm-hmm. level, and, and there is a, a huge variability in uh, how people uh, age. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, you're right. Uh, research um, um, may put an emphasis, maybe uh, too important, on uh, on uh, the, the group level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, maybe... Older adults, uh, this may lead them to, to forget um, about the variability and that, uh, uh, okay, aging is uh, something that is um, ineluctable. You you cannot uh, avoid it, avoid these uh, aging processes, but uh, there are different uh, ways to, to age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it came to my mind that could it be that in the Western countries we we might also be lacking some of the movement cultures that might be better for us when we are getting older. I'm I'm just thinking about China and, for example, living there for a couple of years. When you go out in the morning, you have loads of old people doing Tai Chi in the morning in the parks. Okay. So so also in terms of what kind of movement culture we have created might have a play a part as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it makes me think about um, uh, the fact that yeah, one, uh, one problem, one uh, um, motivational uh, barrier uh, for older adults is that when we uh, talk about sport, when, uh, when uh, for example, when a doctor tells us uh, do more sport, um, there, there is... Um, like the competitive sport, which is uh, um, usually associated with the idea of sport, uh, and uh, so this um, may lead to this may be stressful for for people because um, 
uh, yeah, they don't want to to do competitive sport or uh, to have uh, contacts or um, to do a, a stronger physical effort. And uh, you're you're absolutely right. It is important to um, to to make clear that uh, sport and uh, more generally physical activity um, is something uh, much much larger than a competitive sport. And it mm-hmm. is something that can be adapted to everyone's uh, capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, if we move on to the third stereotype, so you've also done done weight uh, work on the weight stereotype. So I look forward to hearing a little bit about that. Yeah, concerning um, so um, concerning. Um, Overweight people and uh, weight, uh, weight stigma and weight stereotypes. Um, yeah, one specificity of um, this uh, form of uh, stigma is that it is a, a stigma which is um, um, accepted in the population. For example, today, um, even if uh, even if sexism still exists. Um, it is something that is uh, uh, more um, combated and uh, and uh, called into question. But concerning mm-hmm. weight stigma, uh, it is a form of stigma that uh, you can endorse uh, without uh, uh, being um, devalued for that. Um, mm. So it's socially accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a stigma that is. Uh, Socially, uh, socially accepted, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that there are examples of uh, discrimination uh, in uh, in the workplace or uh, uh, concerning um, airplanes, for example, who um, who make uh, obese people uh, pay uh, two seats um, instead of one. Yeah, there are different examples uh, of uh, how weight stigma is uh, pervasive. And um, mm-hmm. socially accepted. And yeah, another specificity of uh, weight stigma is that there is like uh, like for uh, older adults or for females, uh, there is a stereotype about their physical abilities. So the idea is that they are unfit. Um, uh, but there is also a, a strong stereotype about their psychological uh, capacities um, mm-hmm. and metabolism, their uh, willpower. So there is this idea that uh, overweight people have uh, no willpower. Uh, it is um, this idea maybe comes from uh, uh, the idea that um, uh, we are responsible for our weight uh, because we believe that uh, our weight depends on uh, what we eat and uh, on the physical activity we do. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is uh, there is this idea that. Um, Weight is something that we can control. So mm-hmm. uh, if we think so, as uh, we we do in, in in Western societies, as we tend to do in Western societies, um, mm-hmm. then we tend to think that if people are overweight uh, or obese, uh, it is uh, it is their fault uh, because they uh, they are not able to to eat uh, correctly or uh, to uh, to do enough physical activity. So. Yeah, it is associated with uh, this idea that uh, they they lack uh, will uh, will power, and um, one uh, one way to to limit uh, these uh, stereotypes 
is um, is to uh, to try to make people understand that uh, no weight is not something uh, uh, that we can uh, totally control, and that there are other factors, uh, notably at the notably at the biological level, that explain uh, obesity. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it may be a way to um, to limit a little bit this uh, negative um, negative stereotype, and in line mm-hmm. with this idea, in uh, it's in, in the US, the, uh, I think it's the American Medical Association uh, who um, a few years ago decided to to declare uh, obesity as a, as a disease, and. Uh, mm-hmm. When you consider obesity as a disease, it, it's not something uh, only positive. Uh, it may have uh, side effects, but one thing that is positive uh, with uh, considering it as a disease is is uh, to to um, to limit the perception that uh, we can control uh, obesity. Mm-hmm. And what would be the negative sides of of making it? Uh... Yeah, well, I think that mm. if you consider uh, obesity as a disease, then uh, a disease is uh, something which is perceived as a negative. So there is uh, something negative in the idea of uh, of obesity, and uh, so this may be stigmatizing. I think mm. so. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, there are both positive and negative. Uh, yeah, it's it's a complicated issue. Yeah, what are what are your own thoughts on that? Is it a good idea or not? Uh, what is it a good idea or not from the American uh, Medical Association? Yeah, I think that they uh, they are aware that uh, there are negative issues uh, and that it's a mm-hmm. complicated issue. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And and what are the studies showing in terms of uh, trying to reduce the negative stereotype? Um, is, it, is it working when it comes to weight? Yeah, it's uh, there are not uh, for now a lot of um, studies on uh, on this topic. Um, mm-hmm. What what is um, uh, what appears in the in the literature is that uh, uh, the way. Um, weight stigma is uh, uh, is uh, boarded in uh, in uh, health campaigns uh, currently uh, is not uh, mm-hmm. is not a good way because um, health campaigns tend to um, um, to stigmatize uh, weight uh, overweight people with the idea that if uh, we stigmatize um, mm-hmm. overweight people and obese people then uh, they will, they uh, they will uh, realize that uh, it's not good to be overweight, and so they will uh, start to adopt uh, healthy uh, behaviors. So it's um, the the general idea, which is uh, behind uh, current uh, health campaigns. And um, well, social psychology uh, studies show that uh, uh, this type of campaign may have uh, exactly the the opposite effect of. Um, what they uh, of uh, of what they look for, um, because if uh, we um, activate weight stigma, if we activate uh, weight stereotypes in the mind uh, of people who are targeted by these stereotypes, um, this may lead to the confirmation of the stereotypes 
and, and not uh, to the to the opposite. Um, for example, there are studies, um, notably led by uh, Brenda Major and, and her team, uh, who show that if you uh, make people uh, read, avoid people read um, uh, a pseudo pseudo article. Uh, uh, which uh, which talk about uh, weight discrimination in the society uh, mm-hmm. compared to a control condition in which you, you don't activate uh, such uh, stereotypes. Uh, then avoid people um, eat more uh, snacks and uh, junk food uh, following mm-hmm. uh, following the, the reading of the the article. So um, because of uh, yeah of the, of the stress stress related processes. That are involved uh, when you activate uh, weight-based uh, stereotypes. So that's uh, what current research mainly shows. Um, mm-hmm. Then I think that um, in terms of interventions and how to to limit stereotypes, uh, there is a, a promising approach. At least there are some uh, studies that show that it is a promising approach. It's uh, the health at every size uh, approach. Uh, which mm-hmm. is um, originally not, um, which comes from the associative domain, uh, more than the scientific one, at least to my uh, to my knowledge. Uh-huh. Uh, but there, there has been um, uh, studies to to examine um, effectiveness of, of such uh, approach, and the idea is interesting. It's um, uh, the idea that. Um, the most important thing in physical activity interventions with uh, this uh, this population is to um, is not to emphasize uh, weight stigma in, uh, in any way. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, if you say uh, an obese participant to a program that uh, the goal of the program is to lose weight, um, then if it is a goal of the program. Uh, and if if, uh, if if the person perceives it uh, this way, um, it may be stigmatizing because uh, when you say that you you say that it is not good to to be obese, it is something bad, and so uh, mm-hmm. you have to lose uh, you have to lose weight. And the the health at uh, every size approach uh, considers that uh, um, overweight and obese people uh, do not, they do not have to to lose weight. But uh, the important thing is to, that they feel better uh, this way. So the, the idea is not to change their weight; it's um, just to to make try to make people uh, accept uh, their uh, their weight situation more than before. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's an approach that is uh, not only based on. The, Developing intrinsic uh, motivation uh, for uh, for physical activity. So the idea is to um, the goal is that people uh, um, have pleasure and interest in the physical activity program. That's uh, that's the goal of the program and, and not losing weight. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a um, yeah it's a, it's an interesting and, and promising uh, approach with regard to to weight stigma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Fibion. Uh, my name is Dr. Paul Batman, and I'd like to just say a few words about Fibion. Um, I've used it a number of times on different projects that I've been involved in and find that it's incredibly reliable, very valid, and incredibly sturdy. 
I love the graphics that come with it. It really is very clear and can easily see the active in and active periods as well. So I'd certainly recommend Fibion to anyone that's interested in finding out more about sedentary behaviour, particularly the concept of sitting and how we can possibly break it up with some really good, valid information. Fibion, from researchers to researchers. But so the programme itself, isn't there even somewhere in the background the goal that the people, the participants will lose weight through being more intrinsically motivated and, and being active? Or Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit of a little bit of cheating people, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that they lose weight without having the goal of losing weight. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, actually, um, uh, to the best of my knowledge, um, um, physical activity effects uh, um, in the short term are. Uh, more visible in uh, in well-being, for example, mm-hmm. than in yeah. losing uh, in losing weight. It's uh, actually difficult to to lose weight uh, mm-hmm. only only with a physical activity program. So yeah. it may also be demotivating because uh, if you do physical activity program to to lose weight and then you realize that yet that you lost almost nothing, mm-hmm. it could be de- demotivating. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, you already talked about it in in various examples, but maybe you can just kind of summarize and explain a little bit about what are these different pathways that that the stereotypes actually influence behaviors. Um, yeah, uh, so um, there are at least, uh, or we can regroup uh, stereotype-related processes in, in three forms of um, processes. Um, mm-hmm. A first form is uh, discrimination. So when uh, people uh, behave negatively toward a stereotyped uh, person, so this uh, this kind of uh, process involves the direct interaction between uh, between two at least two people, the stereotyped mm-hmm. one and the the one who stereotypes the, the other mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, it is not the, the only uh, form of stereotype uh, influence. And there are uh, other forms of influence um, which are less uh, less visible and uh, which do not involve a direct uh, interaction between uh, two persons. So discrimination is not the, the whole picture. And the other uh, forms of um, stereotype influence are what has been... Uh, called, at least sometimes, uh, stereotype internalization and uh, social identity threat. So um, the first one, stereotype internalization, occurs when um, people perceive themselves uh, in conformity with uh, stereotypes that are associated with um, with their groups, uh, with their group, and, and in turn, these uh, self-perceptions affect their, their behaviors. Um, this is uh, yeah in the age stereotypes domain and uh, yeah and also in the sex stereotypes and uh, weight uh, based uh, stereotypes domain. It's a mm-hmm. process that has been uh, uh, very much investigated. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, concerning the, the age stereotypes domain, um, again it's uh, uh, studies f- coming from uh, from from Baker Levy from uh, Yale University. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, epidemiological studies um, that show that uh, so when you are um, young, you you tend to endorse negative stereotypes um, about aging because you are not concerned by uh, these uh, stereotypes. But then when you when you are older and when you become an older adult, uh, you tend to direct the stereotypes you had during your life toward yourself. And if you hold uh, negative stereotypes, then you you are likely to have negative um, self perceptions, negative perceptions of your own aging. And uh, it's uh, yes, research uh, with with it regard are um, fascinating because they, they show uh, relationships over uh, twenty or thirty years uh, between uh, your self perceptions or the stereotypes you hold and mm -hmm. uh, and the disease and uh, the the health outcomes and even with uh, mortality uh, later later in your life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a stereotype internalization pathway. Right. So, for example, you would say that I'm too old to play ice hockey or I'm too old to do this or that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's when mm -hmm. you think that you're too old. Uh, nobody, mm -hmm. Maybe nobody told you that. No one is discriminating you. But uh, mm -hmm. you think that. And uh, it's, um, it's a stereotype effect uh, which is, uh, yeah, I think, very um, anchored and... Um, uh, that yet that you develop during uh, your whole life, so it's something very difficult to change. Mm -hmm. um, but isn't it interesting if we think of sport? Like, you, if you are fifteen years old, you might already be too old to start in certain sports. Ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, start early. So, yeah. Or yeah, when I've done some research on athletes, when they think of retirement, it's like, I'm 30, I'm already old, I should probably retire. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. In, in the competitive mm -hmm. sport domain, you, you become old uh, very early in your life. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. Um, yeah. And now we are seeing some athletes who continue their careers until they are 40 years old. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So I think the age stereotype has been a little bit challenged. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we talked uh, earlier about uh, role models, but it's typically mm -hmm. um, uh, a stereotype effect that can be uh, limited by uh, role models. So if you if you have role models um, that uh, do a kind of sport or that or who or who perform very well in a, in a, in a sport of physical activity, then uh, this can change your self perceptions. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, then you, you can believe that uh, okay, if uh, if this person uh, can do physical activity, uh, then uh, why uh, why not me? So it's uh, mm -hmm. yeah, role model is um, I think uh, an interesting way to to limit stereotype internalization. And there mm -hmm. are um, with regard to uh, to interventions concerning uh, aging stereotypes in the physical activity domain. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we currently have a collaboration with um, Swansea uh, University uh, uh, with a team of Joan Hudson, uh, Kelly McIntosh, uh, Meta McNary. And um, yeah, th there are a few uh, intervention studies 
um, who show that um, that show that if you um, if you try to change the stereotypes or the, the way people uh, endorse it, if you if you show them that the stereotypes are not true, or that there is a, a huge variability in how people age, uh, then this can change uh, self perceptions and uh, and uh, promote uh, physical activity uh, at the end. So it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's another way to to limit uh, stereotype internalization. Mm-hmm. And so sharing more of these stories of people who yeah. did things differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and not uh, putting a, an emphasis too important on uh, on scientific facts showing uh, uh, age related uh, declines. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so let's go back to these different ways that uh, yeah. that stereotypes influence people. So yeah. So the yeah the, the third way uh, it's also um, a stereotype process that does not involve uh, interaction with uh, discriminating people. Uh, it's a social identity threat. Uh, it refers to um, it's a psychological state in which uh, individuals are concerned that they will be uh, devalued by others because of their social identity as a female, mm-hmm. an adult, or an obese person. And mm-hmm. um, in turn, these uh, concerns um, generate stress-related responses. So the consequence is that when you are negatively stereotyped in the physical activity domain, um, then doing physical activity uh, is likely to be experienced as something uh, aversive and unpleasant because of these um, stress-related uh, responses. Uh, and this may lead people to avoid this domain. So, so for example, mm-hmm. um, if an obese person wants to do physical activity in public, and if uh, this person is concerned that uh, people will uh, devalue uh, her or him uh, because of uh, his or her weight, um, mm-hmm. then it will not be something motivating to do a physical activity in public. Mm-hmm. So even if uh, if you're not uh, discriminated, uh, even even if there is no real discrimination, even if no one is discriminating you, the simple fact of uh, uh, fearing of being discriminated uh, mm-hmm. may be sufficient to uh, to um, to act as a barrier to physical activity participation. Mm-hmm. And are there any interventions or something that could be done in terms of this? Uh, this influence uh, concerning this um, influence, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, difficult. But uh, yeah, any interventions? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we talked about that with uh, the health at every size approach. But mm-hmm. every intervention that uh, tries to to limit the activation of uh, negative stereotypes uh, may be uh, may be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have another example in mind. But uh, a few years ago, we participated in a in the development of a program for uh, obese people uh, based on a on a mobile app uh, application. And uh, when we elaborated the, the applications, um, the the web the the, the, the app developer uh, wanted that uh, uh, we asked. Uh, every day or every week, I don't remember 
uh, to the person what was uh, his or her weight and and so we said we said no if you if you ask people all the time what is their weight this will remind them that uh, uh, they are obese and uh, mm-hmm. this will be uh, this will remind them of uh, of the negative stereotypes so even if uh, the the application developer uh, was not uh, someone uh, uh, who, who wanted to, to discriminate uh, obese mm-hmm. people. Um, yeah, the, the simple cues like this one, like asking a question about what is uh, your weight, uh, may be sufficient to, to activate uh, weight stigma processes. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a very um, complex um, it's very complex to, to limit such a stereotype process because there are many, many cues that uh, active, uh, activate stereotypes. For example, mm-hmm. uh, if you are uh, an older person um, and if you, are do- if you, if you pass a, a clinical test, uh, a cognitive one, for example, or a physical, or a physical test, if the persons uh, who um, uh, makes you, make you pass the test uh, are young, uh, then this this is sufficient to, to activate uh, aging stereotypes because uh, uh, this reminds you that you are an older adult and because uh, in front of you there are only uh, young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's uh, very difficult yeah. to limit uh, such processes. Extremely complex and then a lot of the stereotypes are that people are doing things and they are unintentionally reinforcing the stereotype, not yeah. even being aware that this is happening right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, this the the literature, the current literature um, shows that uh, I think that yeah, the take home message is that uh, explicit discrimination. Uh, of course, it's important to 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 limit it and to prevent and to reduce discrimination, but. Uh, this is not the whole picture, and there are other processes that uh, we need to to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so far, we talked about all the negative influences of stereotypes. But if we turn it around, is there something positive that we can do? Is it are there constructive ways to kind of tap into stereotypes to help people be more physically active? Um. Yeah, concerning uh, stereotypes directly, uh, there are um, the studies on uh, age uh, stereotypes uh, interventions uh, that try to uh, activate uh, st- uh, positive stereotypes of, uh, mm-hmm. of aging uh, in order to promote uh, positive self perceptions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, in the same way that negative stereotypes have negative effects, uh, if you uh, induce or activate or emphasize uh, positive stereotypes. This may have a positive effect. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, another uh, promising approach uh, comes uh, not directly from the stereotypes literature, but uh, more from the social identity um, literature. It's uh, the work led by, led by um, uh, Haslam uh, and, uh, and their team. In um, in Australia, uh, in the sports domain, there is a uh, uh, Mark Mark Beauchamp, notably who who works on this uh, topic, and uh, the idea is that uh, 
if you, um, during the intervention program, if you develop a sense of um, uh, collective identity. Uh, so if you develop the, the links, um, social relationships between uh, between the participants in a program, um, mm-hmm. this uh, may be uh, motivating. So if you if you think if you have the impression that uh, you share characteristics with uh, the other participants to the program, um, this can be motivating, uh, regardless of uh, the the characteristic, uh, even if it's a characteristic that is uh, stigmatized. But yeah, I think that um, more research is needed to um, to see. Um, what um, what what is uh, what has the strongest effect? Uh, is it the stigma which has the strongest negative effects, or is it the, the sense of um, collective identity uh, which has the strongest uh, positive effect? There is a mm-hmm. it's a it's a perspective of uh, research that needs to be to be done. Mm. And kind of. Out of the box, if we think of the current situation in the world and 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 the COVID crisis, and if if you think of this, that now a lot of people are doing exercise and physical activity by themselves and and doing it at their homes or have been doing that in the past few months. If if you think of this from the stereotype perspective, do you think it could have had a positive influence that there are less stereotypes? preventing people from being physically active or what are your thoughts uh, yeah I think that uh, the current uh, crisis situation um, uh, can be analyzed uh, more from a social identity approach uh, mm-hmm. um, at least uh, that's uh, my first uh, thought um, mm-hmm. because yeah yeah one thing with the, with the crisis is that um, um, it may it may like like any crisis or stressful uh, or threatening situation, um, this reinforces uh, social relationships, and mm-hmm. uh, people uh, needed maybe I don't know if it's more than usual, but uh, particularly during during this period, people needed to to have uh, relationships with uh, others, uh, and uh, thanks to uh, social networks. Um, on internet, uh, this was something uh, which was uh, possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in terms of social identity, I think that and physical activity. Um, I, I don't know if uh, if there are studies uh, that examined uh, this question. Uh, yeah, but I wonder if uh, uh, doing physical activity was maybe uh, more facilitated if you uh, did physical activity with others. Uh, for example, on internet or uh, on uh, on social networks, than if mm. you than if you did a physical activity uh, alone. Uh, I, I mean, doing physical activity alone was something that was uh, possible for people who who had the habit uh, to be physically active and who mm-hmm. had the yeah the, the time and the resources to do so. Uh, but for mm-hmm. other people, I think that. Uh, um, yeah, social uh, social support, social relationships, uh, were something uh, an important uh, motivational um, lever for doing physical activity. 
but I don't know if uh, it's it's a question that has been uh, examined. Mm, yeah, probably we don't know yet, but yeah, some research will surely come out on I hope on so. various impacts of of COVID and on physical activity. And so, yeah, we will soon finish up, but I would be curious to know what what are the things that are most exciting at the moment in, in your field of research and what are the things that you are now curious uh, to find out more about? Yeah, so um, uh, at the beginning uh, of my career and uh, during my PhD and postdoc, I, uh, I, uh, I worked um, mostly on uh, motor performance in, uh, mm-hmm. in, in general. And uh, now my uh, research interest is uh, also on uh, physical activity participation. And uh, so I, I start from the observation that um, most research on uh, behavior change focuses um, primarily on individual level factors, uh, including reasoned uh, cognitions such as uh, intentions or self-efficacy and, mm-hmm. uh, and automatic processes such, uh, such as habits. And, and I think it's a, a very, very important field of uh, research, uh, useful to develop interventions. But um, behavior and physical activity behavior, more particularly, is also determined by, uh, by the environment, uh, like the cultural environment or the economic uh, circumstances in which you live. Mm-hmm. And, um, for example, we know that the the global population is uh, insufficiently active worldwide. But if we take a, a closer look, we can see that some populations are uh, more inactive than, uh, than others, uh, women, older adults, people, people living in uh, disadvantaged uh, socioeconomic circumstances, etc. Uh, and probably because they have to face specific uh, obstacles. And um, yeah, one may argue that that these environmental factors can be fully driven by uh, psychological processes at the individual level. Uh, for example, if you have to face environmental barriers, um, this may lead people to develop a low sense of self-efficacy, uh, which may mm-hmm. explain in turn uh, a lower engagement in physical activity. But uh, there are some research uh, that suggests that this is not always the case and that the um, environment may predict physical activity beyond psychological processes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm interested in identifying uh, how psychological processes articulate with uh, environmental uh, ones to predict physical activity. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I do that by uh, articulating uh, behavior change theories with uh, the stereotype uh, literature, or at least I try to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. That that really sounds exciting. Uh, thank you so much. I, I learned a lot today and I'm, I'm sure that the listeners will also learn a lot from, from today's episode. So thank you for so much for, for being our guest today. Yeah, many thanks for your, for your questions and for the discussion. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on 
Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.